0: Welcome into the Danny Mac Podcast. It's Championship Sunday, the post-game edition. Not the pod I was hoping to do today, because if you listened last week, you know I was hoping to find my Barry Sanders jersey somewhere in a box in a garage. Uh, it'll have to wait until next year. The Lions go down to the 49ers and dramatically too because they kicked San Francisco's ass in the first half and squandered the lead and they got a great guest to go through the wreckage with me today former Lions quarterback Scott Mitchell good old number 19 kind enough to give us some time I are are you blue this morning and I don't mean Honolulu blue are you blue by the outcome I know you were probably rooting very hard for your former team Scott yeah,
1: I was really disappointed. Uh, you know, I, I've been in Detroit. I've played there. I've lived there. I know the fans and how passionate they are about the team. And, uh, it's been a long time right? and they're one of the few teams that actually hasn't been to the Super Bowl. So yeah, I was really pulling for them. A uh, big fan of Jared golf. You know, he's, he's been through a lot of things and uh, really would have loved to have seen him kind of answer the critics. And, uh, I'm also a big fan of uh, uh, Dan Campbell. It's not easy to do what he's done in Detroit. I mean it, it, the history has proven that it's hard and he's really changed the culture. I think he even changed the culture of the fan base t- <clears throat> to some extent. but yeah I was I was really disappointed.
0: When you talk about the criticism of golf and there there's going to be some anytime a quarterbacks team doesn't win, he didn't throw an interception. That's the nature of the job. What, what was it about the criticism of your career that led you to feeling so bitter? I haven't seen Bye Bye Barry yet. I was going to watch it the night before the Lions first Super Bowl, Scott, but I've been debriefed on what was said. And you feel like you have taken the shoulder of the blame for the Lions not winning a show, uh, Super Bowl. From where does that criticism come that upsets you so much? Fans, media, teammates? I mean, I, I understand
1: having criticism and all that stuff, and uh, you know, and and to say I'm I'm not bitter at all. I uh, that I'm disappointed that it, during my time we didn't get more time. It's hard to win, hard to win a Super Bowl in the NFL, and we had some really good teams. Really good teams and and I think had we been given more time to keep that, that that team together I think we ultimately would have gotten there. I really do. I I really believe that I I played in the NFL for 12 years I played with a lot of great players on some really good teams with a lot of talent and and There weren't teams that were any more talented than than the Lions teams that that I was on and so it's just it's it's frustrating and disappointing that we didn't have more time together um, you know, the criticism, it is what it is. But I will tell you, getting booed at home games every single week is not a pleasant experience. I don't, I don't care who you were. And, and that's what I dealt with all the time. In fact, Jared Goff even mentioned it. He said, it settled me when the fans were actually cheering for me and actually calling out my name. And I thought, what a concept your, your home fans actually get behind you. And I, I really never had that. Uh, when I was in Detroit. And I think a lot of it is people felt, well, uh, all we need to get to a Super Bowl is a quarterback. And I was one of the first free agents ever in the NFL and signed at the time what was a huge deal. And now it's, you know, pocket change. But uh, so the expectation was certainly very high. And the frustration level with Lions fans was even high back then. Uh, So they expected me to come in and we were going to go right to the Super Bowl and win it in year one. And uh, it just, it takes more than just one player. And, uh, and so my, my criticism or my frustration or disappointment with the Barry Sanders bye-bye thing is not really with Barry, but it, it, it's like everyone's, you know, it was like if Barry had better players around him, the team would have won a Super Bowl. And, and uh, it, it, that just wasn't the case. Uh, there were a lot of really good players around Barry, uh, Wayne Fonts, our former coach, you know, he's heard saying something in the in the, bio, um, the, the biography, I guess, is what it's called. Uh, he said, man, we were just a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. And, and, and I, I was offended by that because uh, I had a lot of really good years. And, you know, what people don't understand is Barry was a unique player. And, and it was hard. It was hard to um, you had to run Barry the right way. Because uh, you know he he wasn't a guy that was going to catch passes. He wasn't a guy that was going to block. He wasn't a guy that was going to run between the tackles. You're going to get a lot of situations where you were behind the change. You were second and long. You were third and long, because he was a home run hitter and he had a lot of a lot of runs that went for no yards, negative yards. And if you ran him the wrong way, you could be really inconsistent as an offense. And so, uh, <clears throat> you know, Barry Sanders came with. Challenges. And and when we figured out how to do it right, we were explosive, but that wasn't always the case.
0: Lomas Brown has been a regular on my shows over the years, the left tackle, 19 years in the league, 12 with the Lions. Lomas was a a terrific pass protector. But I mean, what I remember about your team, Scott, is they weren't going to win many street fights. I mean, yeah, Barry was electric, but. You had to throw the shit out of the ball. That wasn't an offensive line that was going to go in cold weather and maul people. And Barry's playoff record proves that. So for Wayne Fonts to say that, I don't blame you for being pissed off.
1: Yeah, you know, um, you you talk about the line being kind of maulers. Uh, It's frustrating as an offensive lineman. Every play has uh, a certain step to it for the lineman, you know, how to block on a run play. There's a there's a, a, a certain steps you take as a quarterback and as running back, and all of that went out the window with Barry. I mean, it was it was Barry basically hand the ball off to Barry, and he was going to run wherever he ran. So a lineman might think he's blocking his guy, and the next thing he knows, he's not, and and that can get really frustrating. I mean, it's exciting. Look, Barry was was I saw some of the greatest runs I've ever seen in the NFL, but we were not a power football team. Now, when they fired Wayne and brought Bobby Roth in, he was the power coach with a finesse offense. And, and it was like oil and water. Uh, he put a fullback in the backfield. He was trying to make Barry Sanders run between the tackles. And that's just not, that's not how we were built. And not, you know, I mean, we really wasn't. And so, yeah, it was kind of tough uh, for everyone because maybe the style we had didn't necessarily fit the personnel all the time.
0: Is that fullback Corey Schlesinger, or am am I a fullback early? No, Corey
1: kind of came in. Uh, uh, Tommy uh, Tommy Verdell,
0: Tommy Fartel,
1: yeah, Touchdown Touchdown was a great Tommy, guy. Yeah. I love Tommy, but uh, and Corey as well. I mean, both of them are, are super guys. But uh, yeah, they they kind of came in, and 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 uh, we did have more. You're, you know, right right before I got there, Detroit was the run-and-shoot offense. So it's, it, you know, and, and so we had a lot of holdover from that even when I got there. We were really good when we spread teams out and just took what they gave us. We, I had great wide receivers, Herman Moore, Brett Perriman, Johnny Moore. Dave Sloan was a Pro Bowl tight end. And then you have Barry Sanders, and so when they had – fewer guys in the box. We ran the ball with Barry Sanders and he rushed for 1500 yards. When they brought those guys down into the box, I threw it to two wide receivers who had over a thousand yards receiving and a hundred catches, both Uh, Johnny Morton, you know, had 75 receptions. Uh, That's when we were really good. And we just didn't stay with that uh, system very long. I mean, you know, um, and that's, that was my frustration. It's like, We just, if we, we, you know, good coaches, they talk about Ben Johnson and Jared Goff, you know, he just, he's like, figures out what they can do best and works with that. I mean, you know, I was drafted by Don Shula. He did the same thing. And you just have some coaches and Bobby Ross was kind of a stubborn man. And he was like, you're going to do it my way. Uh, I don't care what kind of talent you have. Figure it out and fit into my system.
0: Yeah. A lot of guys make that mistake. Um, mistakes made by the Lions yesterday. Uh, I'm not a big fan of of metrics in football. I think it deserves to be more in baseball where there are fewer, fewer elements um, that play into outcomes. You got 22 guys in a football game. If 60% of the time you make it in fourth and two, that's great. The 40% of the time it cuts your dick off. I don't want to risk that. And Dan Campbell was one for three on fourth down yesterday. He's going to take a ton of heat. He already has. But there's a should have been interception by Kendall Vildor. There's a rare fumble from guys who usually hang on to it. A bad exchange between Goff and Gibbs. Teams win and teams lose. Yet quarterbacks and head coaches are the ones who almost invariably take the biggest amount of crap for it. How would you distribute the uh, the blame game for what happened last night in San Francisco?
1: Well, you know, Dan Campbell is—he goes, "Look, I'm—I'm I'm, this is who I am, right? I am—I'm going to go for it. Everyone knows he's going to go for it. His team knows he's going to go for it. His coaches know. Everyone knows, and it—and it doesn't matter the bigness of the game, right? I'm sitting there going. Kick the field goal. Kick this field goal, right? So then the touchdown they score at the end of the game puts them ahead. And I've, I've always been of the um, understanding that points are valuable. And and I think, and I, was, I thought about this last night and a little bit this morning, I think there's a sense of disrespect uh, with just, oh, shoot, we're just going to go for it on fourth down. Uh, and, and, and disrespect is for the other team. One of the things I learned from day one when I got in the NFL, everybody's good. Everybody's good. Like, you're not playing chump change over there. It's, it, you know, going for it on fourth down is a big gamble. And, and I think the points are are so much more of a reward than the, than the risk you get for, for going for it. Um, and, you know, Dan Campbell is, okay, he's a risk taker. He's the guy that's going to go for it. Well, maybe the gamble for for Dan Campbell in that situation is not to go for it. You know, maybe his gamble is to go against those those situations. I just I felt like that the feeling of the game, the momentum of everything, would have been better for him to put points on the board because it's another it's another possession, another possession that you, that team has to go down the field and actually score a touchdown. The first time that they didn't go for it, that's when everything changed. The whole momentum of that entire game changed. And, and I thought Jared Goff, there was no blame for Jared. I thought Jared Goff played phenomenal. I thought he had a great game, uh, even you know in, in those fourth down situations. But uh, I, I just, I understand who Dan Campbell is. I like him. I've liked him from day one. But that might have been a situation where I would have kind of held back the reins and kicked the field goal.
0: Yeah. What do you target in the off season if you're the Lions? Another pass rusher?
1: Yeah, and and, and maybe I it, I know they like a lot of the young guys they have uh, at the wide receiver position. Maybe a wide another wide receiver. Offensive line, probably the best in the NFL. I mean, that's that's a big reason why. Well, I would love that offensive line. I'll just tell you right now. Um, yeah. Probably, you know, maybe another corner, you know, corner, uh, uh, you know, ru- uh, another rusher, another pass rusher. It maybe helps Aiden Hutchinson, you know, to have another guy on the other side or someone on the inside. Um, this is a young team, though. And, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from, last, from this year because that's it, a br- brutal loss. It's a brutal loss because they did everything or at least enough to win that football game. And even with the funny bounces and all the things that went on. And, and, and so, you know, how resilient is Dan Campbell and this Lions team? And can they, can they bounce back from this next year?
0: Scott, I've enjoyed this. I want to wrap it up by sharing a story with you about you, how you in a very complimentary manner became a part of Chicago sports radio lore Look in at a that. soundbite, and a colloquialism for years, the 95 season, your best as a pro 4300 yards, 32 tutties, and only 12 picks. You guys were kicking the bear's ass on a Monday night at the Silver Dome and Wayne Larravee, now the Packers announcer was the Bears radio guy and he'd get edgy when the Bears weren't playing well. And when they weren't getting pass pressure on you, he he sets the the, the, the formation, you know Johnny Mitchell motion near side Mick, Mitchell barking out signals Mitchell back to pass and why not? From that day forward, anytime the Bears pass rush failed on Monday, callers and hosts and columnists would be saying Mitchell back to pass. And why not? Because you set up shop all day against that Bears defense. And it for a long time was a Chicago colloquialism. I don't know if a T-shirt was ever made. But uh, y- you lived in an infamy from a Bears fan standpoint, but maybe Lions fans should have known how we felt about you here. Maybe they wouldn't have booed your ass.
1: Uh, th- I love that. And, <laughs> you know, it's funny when you br- bring that up. Uh, one of the mem- there's two memories of that game. One was uh, Herman Moore, and I threw a five yard hitch to Herman Moore, and it was open. So I'm like, why not do it again? So the next play, I throw another five yard hitch to Herman Moore, and I'm like, if it's working don't you know don't change it so i threw another one and I, so three 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 hits routes in a row and he and he scores a 78 yard touchdown and it, and it, and what we really learned from that is we make this way way too complicated and that was what <laughs> it, it, it's like people put people in the right position and give them the ball get the ball in your in your playmaker's hands and and really that's what I think San Francisco did and has done all year long uh, I, better than anyone. I think the same thing you could say with Kansas City. Uh, but the other thing about that, that game is they, they ran this really weird defense. And I couldn't figure it out at first. And it's called an inverted two deep. And basically the safety, who's normally a deep half, comes down and he, he replaces positions with the cornerback. And, and, and it's a really weird look and it's, it's almost like you get the best run support, but you also get the best pass. But they, they left, they left Herman Moore alone on the sideline when they did it and they didn't figure out how to cover him. But those are just two memories that have stuck in my head for all these years.
0: So much more to do on Championship Sunday. So little time. Come back soon to the Danny Mac podcast. I plan to be dropping more than the usual two or three pods this week because Championship Sunday deserves it. I want to thank Sam Michael, the executive producer of the show. Randy Merkin, who gets all of the guests for us. Our guy, Alex Pastor, who handles social media. Troy Mocker in Research and Development and Baby Capone is Adam Delavitt. Thanks so much for listening. 10 takeaways, where Patrick Mahomes fits in all time. You haven't heard that conversation. Tony Romo, his work, upside, downside, is there an upside? We're going to explore all these things and why America is gnashing teeth over the audacity of a country music star globally who cheers for her boyfriend when he plays in a football game? I'm Dan McNeil, and thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.